what I felt to talk about this morning is, is nothing new. Um, uh, in fact, most of us have probably heard it enough that if we're not careful, and I'm talking to myself this morning, that uh, it becomes sort of a byword and a catchphrase. Um, and the title of my thought this morning is Giving God Our Best. And uh, I'm, uh, I don't have a uh, scripture to open with. But I do have a lot of scripture. Uh, kind of feel like God says it better than I do. So um, I try to use a lot of scripture and just uh, commentate on it a little bit. But um, but we, we sing about giving it all to God. Uh, we talk about it. But in our day-to-day lives, how do we measure up? And um, this, you know, again, this is something God's really been dealing with me about and and uh, so probably I'm just going to preach to myself this morning and, and feel free to listen in and, and hopefully you get something out of it. But, uh, you know, we do good measuring up to the standards a lot of times. We're faithful to church, but that secret relationship with Him and that fulfillment of the calling that we're all called into, how do we measure up to that? You see why I believe in the principles of holiness, separation from the world, distinction in our genders. All of these are biblical principles that God expects of us. In fact, Romans 12 and 1 said this is our reasonable service. It's, this is the least we can do is kind of how I take that. But I've also got a pretty good feeling that when we get to heaven, it's not just going to be about an angel pulling out the tape measure to check our sleeve length. Uh, making sure we weren't going to the places we weren't supposed to go, and so on. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. All of these things are important. Uh, We've got to have it all. But a lot of our our standards are to protect our own selves and help us stay in relationship with God. Hebrews uh, 12 and 1 said, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So we have to live a consecrated lifestyle. We've got to be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to our church. We've got to be submitted to the pastor. All of this is important. But holy living, as we call it, by itself will not get us to heaven. Living a holy and separated lifestyle is only half of the picture. And so this is what God has been dealing with my heart about. Have I really given God my best? In my 36 years of living, I'd have to say I failed him more times than I'd like to admit. It's easy for me to come to church. It's easy for me to dress the part. At my job, everybody knows I'm a Christian. There's no question there. But what have I done that's going to make a lasting impact on eternity? I can't get away from the feeling that someone, somewhere along the way, has had a life very similar to mine. All of my ups, my downs, the hurts, the pains. And what if they won souls to Christ? And what if they impacted the world around them in a positive way? And what if I spend my whole life trying to gain things for me, trying to please myself?
what will my time before the judgment be like? When I offer up the excuses and the Lord points to the one who didn't let the excuses get in the way. Matthew 12, 41 through 42. Uh, Jesus was speaking because the Jews didn't uh, heed his words. And he said, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So God deserves our best. And uh, I pray that He will help us to do better. I want to do better. And uh, as I said before, our standards, our church attendance, all of those things are primarily about us. They help us. That, but we're supposed to serve God and serve others. There was a lawyer one time who tempted Jesus with a question. It's recorded in Matthew 22 and 36. And I think we all know it. He said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's easy to feel comfortable when we believe we're saved, but that's a very selfish way to live. If we really want to be pleasing to God, we have to not only love God, but also love others as ourselves. What Jesus was saying here is that if these two commandments were really obeyed, love God and love others, every other law in the Old Testament would have been fulfilled. Number one, loving God. Number two, loving others. <clears throat> I remember uh, watching an interview years ago with a popular magician who still performs to this day. This magician, who is an outspoken atheist, tells a story about an individual who approached him after one of his shows. He came up to him bragging on his show, said, I really enjoyed your show. And, and this magician said he could tell the guy was being genuine. He wasn't using this as an excuse to talk to him. Just, wow, you did a great job. That was just so amazing. And then at the end of it, he handed him a little Gideon Bible and just said, here, I want you to have this. And he didn't preach to him. He didn't, uh, he didn't try to be underhanded about it. But he was real and he was genuine. And he used probably the only opportunity he would ever see this guy to be a witness to him. And this magician in this interview talking about this event said it didn't change the fact that he was an atheist. He, he said he still felt the same way. But you could tell in watching the, the interview that it did click something in his mind 
whether or not he believed or not, he knew there was something different about this guy. He said he had a lot of respect for the guy for what he did. And the thing this magician, this entertainer said that I've never forgotten was this. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell and you think that it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And that really convicted me. That spoke to my heart. And, you know, so, so oftentimes it, it is awkward to, to bring up those conversations. I've, I've pushed myself to try to get past that, but I know the feelings. And, but if you really think about that, you could say, well, I don't, I don't really hate them. I just, you know, it's kind of odd. And, but Jesus said, love others as we love ourselves. And if I was on my way to hell and didn't know it, and, you know, I would want somebody to tell me about that because I love me enough that I don't want to go there. And so if I love myself that much, I need to love others that much. Jesus also said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. It's hard to see what's going on around when you've always got your head down and looking at the patch of dirt that we're standing on. But he said, look up. Because spiritually, that's, that's what they were doing. They were just, just looking around, looking down. Once you lift your head up and begin to look around in the Spirit, they were standing in the middle of a field that was ready to be harvested and didn't even know it. And how often are we guilty of doing the same thing, myself included? Walking through life with our heads down, worrying about me, myself, and I. Amen. But lift up your eyes. Look at the harvest. We're standing in the middle of the harvest. How would the master reward us if we let the harvest rot on the vine? God has called us to higher heights and deeper depths. In addition to obeying our calling, we must be in true relationship with God. As I said before, there's, there's more to it than just going to church. Luke the 13th chapter, starting at verse 25, said, When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say, I know you not whence you are. I don't know where you came from. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Lord, I've eaten and drunk in your presence. You taught in our streets. That sounds an awful lot like church to me. We love to worship. We love preaching. But do we love him enough to have a personal relationship with him? It says that he told them he didn't know them or where they came from. 
Today I tell you I want to know him more. I want to get to know him more. I want him to know who I am. See, God is, he's been dealing with me to fast more, to get myself out of the way so he can do in my life what he wants to do. But I'm the only one who has the power to make that decision. God is a perfect gentleman. He won't force his will on anyone. But if we want more of God, it's going to be because we pursue him and allow him to mold us into his image. Jeremiah 29.13 said, You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. It wasn't enough to seek him, but it was when they sought him with all of their heart. Seeking God half-heartedly won't bring the results. God looks at our intentions and our motives. He said He judges the heart. He judges the inner man. And the way I seek God with my whole heart and the way you seek God with your whole heart may be totally different depending on where you're at in your walk with God. That's why it's so important not to compare ourselves with one another when it comes to our walk. We each have to run our own race. I'm going to face tests and trials that may not be an issue for you and, and vice versa. But our motives have got to be, God, more than anything else, I've got to have you. <clears throat> you can do the right thing and have the wrong motives. Cain and Abel both sacrificed unto God, but only one offering was accepted. We don't read beforehand that there was any particular offering that was required we just know that they both sacrificed but only one had the right motive abel brought the first and the fattest of his flocks but cain just brought an ordinary harvest and the lord had respect unto abel cain brought just a plain portion of his harvest cain said this ought to be good enough but abel brought the very best that he had Two brothers, two offerings, probably at the same time, most likely similar in many ways. But Abel's motives were, I want to give God my best. And God was pleased as a result of it. The Bible never records that there was anything wrong with Cain bringing crops. So far as we know, animal sacrifice hadn't been a requirement yet. Uh, but his half-hearted offering caused him to be rejected. You can do everything right on the outside, but the motive has to be there. And I want to be pleasing to him. We can't serve God on Sunday and ignore him the rest of the week. But he expects our best. He who gave it all on Calvary deserves our very best. Joshua 22 and 5 says, But take diligent heed, to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments, to cleave unto Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And I like the ERV version of that. It says you must love the Lord your God and obey His commands. You must continue to follow Him and serve Him the very best that you can. There's either complete submission or nothing. That's what it means to be sold out to Jesus. 
Matthew 6 and 24 said, No man can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, the things of the world. So we have a choice to make every day that we get up of who we're going to serve. It's easy to say on a Sunday morning, God, I serve you. I've done that. God, I'm going to commit to you. But when Monday morning comes around and life comes rushing in like a flood, we've still got a choice to make, God, I'm going to serve you today. Once we've made a commitment to Him, He expects the very best that we have. Remember the rich young ruler, Matthew the 19th chapter. He said, Master, what good deed should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, Lord? He was kind of feeling good about himself. And Jesus began to quote some of the Ten Commandments. He said, I've kept all of those commandments since I was a young man. What else do I need to do? And what Jesus said, he didn't expect. But he said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. And verse 22 says he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. But this young man left church too early, because Jesus went on to say in Matthew 19, 29, Everyone that has forsaken house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, land, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And that's the exciting news of it all, is that there's nothing we can give up down here. That He wouldn't repay it 100 times over. When we really step back and examine it all, God asks so little of us, even if we were to give up everything. The things of this world are temporal. Our jobs are temporal. Our homes are temporal. But only what's done for Christ shall stand. And not only will he give it back, but a hundred times that. God only asked 10% of us in our finances. But that 10%, if you read this and look at it, will be repaid 10,000%. That's a pretty good investment. And all of eternity to enjoy it. It sounds like such an easy choice when we step back and examine it. Who wouldn't take that deal? But we get so caught up in what we want and pleasing ourselves. We've got to be willing to give Him our best. And so I ask you today as we all stand, what has God done in your life? What kind of mess did He find you in? Or maybe you haven't made such bad choices like some of us have made but still that assurance of spending eternity with Him. He gave Himself for us, and He asked so little in return. Everything we go through in this life, every sacrifice we make is going to be worth it all one day. Are we giving God our best? Lord Jesus, we love You today. We praise You, Lord. Pray that You would help us today to give You ourselves, God, to be sold out to You. Bless the remainder of this service, God, in Jesus' name, amen.